Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the bathtub Lyallel. No, wait a minute. That was me. I was up trying to. Uh, this is a, never mind. It's, uh, it's the bathtub baritone. That's what I was after. Uh, of uh, Tom Fitzmorris. And it's time now for us to talk about food on the food show. Every day we sit down and we talk about eating your way through the city through the uh, through the state, through the really the world, and uh, it, this is a good place to do that because here in New Orleans we are uh, really lucky to have uh, a great deal of, uh, relatively speaking, anyway, a great deal of opera here in our city, and uh, one that goes back that uh, in a tradition that goes uh, that uh, is uh, a long time in the making and uh, and the savoring and enjoying too. Uh, Robert Lyle is here with us. He is the uh, manager. No, it's, a, well, what's, it's the ma- uh, general, art- general and artistic director. General, general manager and artistic director. Director. You would think I would get it by now. Oh. Uh, Rigoletto is now the, that's the shape of pasta, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's rigatone. Rigatone. Well, you know, I've had that right. before too. Uh, What's the story, literally? Well, the name Rigoletto is a personal name. It is the Mm -hmm. name of the court jester of the Duke of Mantua. Mm. So we are presenting an opera. It's one of Verdi's most popular, and I will comfortably say one of the most popular operas in the world. Mm. Of the thousands of operas that are performed annually, uh, Rigoletto is about number seven in the world in frequency of performance. So it mm. has that degree of staying power and popularity. It's part of Verdi's transition middle period works from what we call bel canto style to movement toward a more music drama, uh, verismo or realistic style. So, but it is absolutely chock full of glorious music and it is a wonderful first opera for people to try, a, Italian opera, mm-hmm. uh, because they will recognize so many of the tunes in it. It has reached the status of that kind of popularity. That was, that was going to be my next question, and it's, it just seems to me that we have talked about this one before. Right. Um, it, given the fact that we don't exactly have uh, one every 15 minutes. True. Uh, you... Uh, you have this one that uh, gets maybe a little more play than most or a lot more play maybe. Well, no. Um, these things go in cycles, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last Verdi opera that we produced was Il Trovatore, the, the Troubadour, mm-hmm. and that's another one of those middle period pieces of enormous popularity. And the other one that actually ranks higher than both Trovatore and Rigoletto in the world mm-hmm. performance is La Traviata. Sure. Who hasn't heard of that? Exactly. Yeah. So all I can say is that these three <coughs> important middle period works of Verdi have really held the mm-hmm. world stage with a, a striking number of uh, frequency of performances. 
the story. You ask about the story. Yeah. Now, How you, about that story? Well, put yourself in the context of this is a, right. a ducal uh, royalty, mm-hmm. the Duke of Mantua. And in this period— um, Mantua, M-A-N-T-U-A? Exactly. Do you, do, you know, if I may interrupt you sure. just a moment, there is a, a, a prevalence uh, of that to uh, here in New Orleans. When you find yourself eating or cooking a sauce mantua, you are about to have some crawfish sauce. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that is. Yeah. That is. Well, Mantua was a, was a ducal kingdom, and so the supreme ruler was the Duke of Mantua. Now, this is the period before Italy became the country of Italy and was made up of a huge collection of ducal states. And so you were truly the king in your own territory. You had absolute power and f- uh, over life and death and anything else related to your pleasure. And this story is about a young and um, somewhat... Um, lecherous count who, Mm. given the absolute power, if he saw women that engaged him, then he had the freedom to do what he wanted. And so this was a bit of a scandalous situation. And the role of Rigoletto was that of the court jester to the Mm. Duke of Mantua, who was a young, powerful ruler and known for his womanizing. So when when the duke would move on either the daughter or the wife of his courtiers. Gee, that doesn't really happen in real life, does it? Not until recently. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, Some of it sounds, sounds just like it came out of today's uh, exactly. uh, headlines. Exactly. In a way. Um, mankind hasn't changed much over the last <laughs> few hundred years. Uh, but the role of the court jester was to ridicule the men who were injured by these assaults on their wives or their daughters Mm. or whatever. And Rigoletto was much reviled by the courtiers uh, for his hateful speech and his taunting and jeering. So much so that in the opening scene of the opera, they're having a great banquet in the throne room of the Ducal Palace. And... uh, the a father of a young lady that was taken by the duke appears to denounce this orgiastic behavior, and he really levels the court with his words. As he said, my voice is like thunder, and I'm speaking with the power of God. Mm, mm. And so... These guys had a pretty high view of themselves. Huh? Well, they did. It, as I say, you were a king in your own, own kingdom, so... Um, the significance of the appearance of this father, who is ridiculed then by Rigoletto, says, oh, well, you've what, come to reclaim your daughter's honor. And he turns on him and the, the, the old courtier and says, I give you a father's curse for laughing at a father's pain and mm. tears. Mm. Well, now you're talking about a period where people were somewhat superstitious. <laughs> So this cleared the room, I can tell you, <laughs> when you get a, a father's curse, and it haunted Rigoletto for the entirety of the opera because, unbeknownst to the court, he himself had a daughter that he has kept secret. She mm-hmm. had lived elsewhere for many years, and she has come home, but she's still young, and he has, knowing the ways of, of the duke, 
he has kept her in secret. And so now this haunt of the father's curse hangs over his head. And sure enough, things lead to another, and uh, the Duke does discover that, um, that he has this beautiful young girl living with him. They think it's a girlfriend of Rigoletto, so the courtiers decide for good sport that they will go abduct her and take her to the ducal palace, and they do. And, of course, the next morning, Rigoletto, who was actually tricked into playing along with this scheme, thinking they were abducting the neighbor's wife, um, shows up and confronts the courtiers, and he demands the return of his daughter. Well, that shocks them because they thought it was a girlfriend, and so it's a little more serious in this regard. And to seek revenge, Rigoletto hires an assassin, the wonderful name of Sparafucile. <laughs> right. Say that again. Sparafucile. Sparafucile. Yes. Okay. And a beautiful moment is when he draws his dagger and he says, Ecco il mio strumento. This is my instrument. Mm. And shows him and he says, You tell me when and I will dispatch the person that is bothering you. And he leaves, goes off into the dark. And then we get a beautiful analogy. Rigoletto says, Parisiamo, we are the same. You have your instrument of death, which is your dagger, and I have my instrument, which is my tongue. So, but they serve the same purpose. Mm. So you can see where the crux of the drama lies. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this he, is uh, a lot of uh, almost perfect uh, stock issue for. Uh, for many of another kind of everything from a TV show to a absolutely <clears throat> to a, a, a art on the walls and you know wherever else. Well, you know the the universality <clears throat> of great themes carries through every art form: painting, drama, dance, whatever. And that's why this piece was uh, premiered in 1851, and why you know 160 oh. years later. It still holds the world stage to the degree that it does. Hmm. So, well, it's uh, right right in the uh, alley of, uh, in terms of of age, uh, a little bit younger than Antoine's. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we're always thinking about food around here. That's I'm right. Just, never escape it. It's uh, Robert Lyle. He is the director of the New Orleans Opera, and if you have never gone to the opera. Uh, this would be a great weekend for you. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it is this weekend, It is isn't? this weekend, yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, to, uh, it's Friday and Sunday. Matinee. Sunday Yeah. Friday okay. night at 7.30, Sunday at 2.30. Tickets very easy to get a hold of. Uh, where you go to get them is... Uh, NewOrleansOpera.org. That's online. Online. Yeah. Or you can call the opera company <clears> and get the phone number from that. And, call and if you want to get, if you, and a lot, I have a lot of friends who get into opera in a deep, deep sort of way, and they select their seats and, and right. all that. If, if that appeals to you, you certainly could do that. But, uh, you know, just giving it a first time around, if you haven't, uh, it will give you a, a great evening's worth of entertainment. Absolutely. If, if only for, gosh, get a load of these, uh, these people from a million years ago. Right. <laughs> right. Boy, nothing new under the under the nothing sunshine. Nothing at all. Yeah. But as I say, very universal in their actions. Mm. And just to bring the drama to closure, um, what Rigoletto does is go and hire that assassin that he meets. 
His daughter, having been delivered to the Duke, has fallen in love with him, strangely enough. And so to... Um, to were, there, were, there, were there any other... When there, <clears throat> excuse me. Were there any really good-looking women or really good-looking women or, or, or men or the other way around? Because it always seems like we're talking about uh, very handsome people. Well... That comes with the performance world, unless you want character looks. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone wants the tenor with matinee-eyed looks or the baritone, uh, the Broadway star kind of look. But as you know, people come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, they sure do. And some of the round ones have fabulous voices. Look at Pavarotti. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Oh, that was a that was a, a little sting, wasn't it? No, not no? at all. I mean, he was, was not slender by any means, but he had one of the world's most beautiful voices. Well, that always helps. Yeah. So, um, did I tell you uh, once that I he and I had lunch together? Oh, good. He for was you. he was sitting on uh, there was a restaurant right across the street from Central. Park in New right. York City, and uh, I was there, and I had seen him somewhere else, and I, I, it was a couch laid out. Right. And the next thing I know, I'm with about a dozen other friends of his, and right. he says, come on, <laughs> just send, and they included me and uh, even How picked nice. up the check. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it doesn't happen often. That's right. Well, mm. w- what a wonderful <clears throat> treat to, to, to yeah. meet such a celebrity in such a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I didn't give him a, uh, a, a sample of my... Of your singing? Yeah. <laughs> right. At, At that, which point, that he, been, he would have asked you yeah, to pick yes. up the check. That's <laughs> probably true. Right. It's the Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmorris. It's nice to be here with you talking about the food of our city. And every now and then we talk about opera here because, uh, first of all, it's one of those things that it's a big wad of your culture, and it's something that's for real. It's also uh, an artistic presentation that uh, is uh, very much devoted to opera and vice versa, because we have uh, been leading uh, opera, music, and everything that goes with it uh, for longer than any other place in the world, pretty much. Well, certainly in the United States. Yeah. We'll come back with more of the Food Show after First Please this. Uh, that is arguably the most famous aria in the entire opera and one in the entire world of opera. <laughs> and I was uh, going to add, uh, that's some of the best singing I've well, ever Well, that's Pavarotti. Uh, well, there we are. There you are. Yeah. That's the famous aria, La Donna Mobile, Women Are Fickle. I always thought that women like to drive cars is what I thought it <laughs> no, no, that's women are mobile. <laughs> you know, I think we can both qu- uh, quote each other on this one now. <laughs> right. It's a good line. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway. As some people euphemistically refer to it, the girls from Mobile. <laughs> but, uh, no, this is the Duke's signature aria in which he's out in the country at a tavern flirting with um, – 
local girl and um, who's been set up to lure him for the assassin. Always something. uh, Always. Yeah. No, but that's a very, very famous aria. It has superseded even the opera of Rigoletto and become kind of a Verdi signature piece. But um, it's typical of the richness of the melodic and style, musical style of this wonderful opera. And so people can hum along, sing along, make up their own words if they want to. Yeah, you know, I've, I've found that uh, in not so much in that so much, but a, a few others that uh, it starts penetrating into my brain, and, uh, and then it's, this, the, the music is just playing all day long. That's what we yeah. call ear candy. Ear candy. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a new one on me, but I like it. Yeah. Does it come in flavors? Uh, I guess, yeah. You can do it with French. You can do it yeah. with Italian. Yeah. You can do it with German. Hmm. So, But uh, to, to bring our little drama uh, description to conclusion... Uh, Rigoletto's daughter was, you know, given to the Duke by the courtiers, and she falls in love with him. And uh, when her father says, I'm going to seek revenge, then she pleads with him not to. But he is bent on seeking revenge against this licentious Duke. So he works with the assassin to lure him, the, the Duke, out to a tavern on the edge of town. And the idea is that at midnight then uh, the assassin will strike. And what actually happens is Rigoletto takes his daughter out to prove to her that this duke is totally unfaithful. And sure enough, the assassin's sister, who is a a dancer or a prostitute, if you will, has come down from the tavern to flirt with the duke and set him up for this revenge. And Rigoletto is showing the, the actions to his daughter, who is just struck by the infidelity of the Duke. But it doesn't sway her. Her father turns to her and says, go dress in men's clothes and leave town. Get on a horse and head for Verona, and I will catch up with you. And so then he has negotiated with the assassin to strike the Duke. And what happens is He leaves to come back at the appointed hour. Rigoletto leaves and comes back. And in the interim, there is a great storm that develops. And it's pretty magnificent orchestral music, I might add, Tom. And the daughter, instead of dressing in men's clothes and going to Verona, comes back to the tavern. And at the height of the storm, goes and knocks on the door. And, of course, the sister and and Sparafucile let her come into the tavern where... She is murdered, or at least they think she is. But so there's they, always a, uh, a twist to this. Well, we have yeah. to have a dying moment yeah. for the soprano, mm. but um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of obligatory. <laughs> so anyway, the the deal that Rigoletto had struck was that they're going to put the body of the duke in the sack, and then they're going to carry it over to the adjacent river, and so Rigoletto shows up. Sparafucile brings out the sack with a body in it and the, um, hands it over to Rigoletto. And then Rigoletto is taking it down to the river when all of a sudden in the distance he hears the Duke singing his signature song, La Donne Mobile. <laughs> and he says, wait, what is this? And so he opens the sack and, of course, the person that's in it is his daughter. Uh-huh. And so then they have a closing duet. She, she's barely hanging on to life, and they sing about 
you know, she's going to heaven and she'll see her mother there and beautiful, poignant uh, moment before she dies. And then Rigoletto, of course, says, ah, it is the curse. Remember the curse that opened the opera for laughing at a father's pain. <laughs> so it has been now visited on Rigoletto in this really heartbreaking scene at the end. But it is powerful drama. It's colorful. Music is vivacious. And um, it's an engaging piece to watch as theater. Hmm. Is, this, uh, is this considered to be modern, uh, at least uh, you know, by the other... Uh, well, it, it, we're doing it in the period <clears throat> that it represents. In other words, the, the Ducal Palace in Mantua um, in the 16th century. And so they're wearing period dress. Mm-hmm. So it's rich. I mean, these are people of the court. So these are yeah. rich costumes. But we didn't modernize it in the way we have some other pieces where we moved it up into the modern yeah. time and mimicked either a contemporary movie or some other uh, style of contemporary drama. So it's modern in the sense that it's universal. And, you know, this is almost like a mafioso m- moment here with the assassin. Yeah, here we go again. You yeah, know, and so... Uh, but guns it is, flaring. Just yeah. But it is not modern in the sense of its dress or style. It's mm-hmm. a very opulent <coughs> look mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. piece. Well, they were uh, pretty much partygoers up in Verona, anyhow. The, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was based on a Victor Hugo play. Really? Yes. And so, um, hmm. you know, it, it has pretty substantial literary merit uh, as drama. And, of course, this caught Verdi right at the height of his um, creativity. So it's, uh, it's a pretty wonderful piece. And that's why I'm encouraging everyone that says, well, I've not tried opera or I've only tried it periodically and, and I'd like to get another flavor, uh, something like this. This would be a wonderful weekend to come and try this masterpiece. <clears throat> well, you're facing the jazz festival uh, to, to an extent, but... Uh, Those are largely the, daytime activities, I know, yeah. so... Um, uh, the, uh, getting back to uh, being a beginner at this... Right. Uh, if, you know, the, the, the girl or the guy you're da- dating at the moment says, you know, I'd like to go to the opera, what mm-hmm. would your... Uh, what would, well, I know what your reaction would be, but how does one get into this... Uh, well, it's usually, to not sound stupid. No, usually it's exactly the thing you've just described. Uh, women enjoy this kind of musical theater, and men will too if they become acclimated to it. And usually it's a case of, yes, let's go to the opera because there are traditions of dressing up. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity for people. They can wear street clothes. They can wear casual clothes. <clears throat> they can wear business attire, and some actually will choose to wear formal wear because of the mm-hmm. long-standing traditions, yeah. and women will wear gowns or cocktail dresses or whatever. So it's an opportunity if you want a wonderful night out, perhaps restaurant before or after, then um, that's all part of the experience. Uh, we're at the Mahalia Jackson Theater in Armstrong Park, and so— uh, My old neighborhood. Ah, very yeah. nice. I grew up there. Yeah, but uh, it it usually is initiated by someone of a couple or f- a group of friends saying, let's go to the opera, and people like to do things together, and so it makes the experience mm-hmm. a little richer. Uh, you have people to share it with, and now <clears throat> certain formalities have been relaxed. For example, 
during intermission, people in years past would complain about long lines at the bar, and then you get your glass of wine or something, and then you barely have time to drink it. Well, now there's no objection to bringing it into the theater with you. Oh. So it's much mm. closer to what happens on Broadway and other kinds of theater experiences now. Um, and we do have, and it's important to emphasize this, we do have what are called opera titles. We will be singing this in Italian. He will be singing La Donna Mobile, Il Suppingiere. And yet, you do not have to know a word of Italian to enjoy it because right above the screen, uh, above the proscenium of the stage, is the entire text in English. And it's very easy, very quick to read it. It's all peripheral vision. But you do have the complete experience of understanding everything that is being said on stage. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. Yeah. And, and uh, even a lot of movies do that nowadays. So that's right. So it's, it's no big deal. That's right. And people that are experienced at all with foreign films are quite accustomed to it. But even in some English speaking, depending on the pace of the language or the density of the language, you find these um, titles to offer clarity. Well, that's very important for us since we do most things in foreign languages, but they don't need to feel foreign to the, the new viewer. The new viewer. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, it, uh, the, the history of this is too, uh, too good to let it get away. Uh, I don't think uh, the average person knows just what an institution in New Orleans the opera is. Well, and, I'm very proud of sharing this fact, and that but is— Before you do, okay. I mean, just as you were starting in the uh, little queue saying, get off for a minute. Talk we'll be back with more of the food show in a moment after First Please. This— Boy, he had some range, huh? Oh, that's, this is among one of the most magnificent recordings of this opera ever made with Pavarotti. Such a beautiful voice and such an expert at this Italianate style. I mean, after all, he is Italian. <laughs> well, that, And uh, it's just glorious singing. Well, you have a ch- well, uh, you probably don't have uh, him in, in the local uh, performance. Well, no. I mean, after his de- after his to... death, the scheduling got oh, more yeah. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, th- there I go again. Uh, this is the New Orleans Opera. Uh, goes all the way back to to 1796, and then uh, kept on going. Uh, well, a, a little a little local history. Uh, yeah, we, we take great pride in being the first city that is documented to have produced opera in North America. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a pretty expansive reach. And in the French Quarter, um, a a little work, a little French opera called Sylvain was produced in May of 1796, and that is the first documented opera given in North America. And opera became wildly popular in the at the end of the 18th and the 19th century because, you know, there was no television. Opera is a multimedia art form, meaning song, dance, acting, special effects, theater, costumes, the the whole package. 
and it was hugely popular. And then in 1856, the famous French opera house was built in the middle of the French Quarter, and it became the most important city in New Orleans, uh, important building in the city of New Orleans in the 19th century because it was the center of political life, social life, artistic life, and it was an enormously important space. And it burned in 1918. And then things took a kind of funny turn because if you'll think, the municipal auditorium opened in 1930. And that's only 12 years after the famous French Opera House was had, had burned. And that's where opera and Mardi Gras balls and things of that sort were done for about 40 years until they built the Theater for Performing Arts in Armstrong Park. You know, it's it's no coincidence that when you ever watched uh, a, a, a <clears throat> excuse me, if you ever watched a Mardi Gras production, it's a lot of the same characters. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you know, and uh, they came the, in details later, but they were de- definitely around at that time already. Well, you know, the subject matter of opera initially was mythological, both Greek and Roman. Yeah. And then in the 19th century, it became grand um, controversies between the church and the state. And those were the major historical figures. And then toward the end of the 19th century, it became much more realistic and just about the common man and his mm-hmm. his travail in life. And in the modern era, it's about a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know. I remember back in the, uh, when, well, I was just barely old enough to be doing this all by myself, I, the crew of uh, uh, the oldest crew in, in New Orleans, uh, what's their name? I just, I'm is it, nothing. Is it Comos? Or, or? Col- uh, you're close. Uh, it's either, <clears throat> uh, I'm guessing not right. I'm not a historian about Mardi Gras. But, um, well, my point was that... Uh, there was one year where I was still still on the street. This was uh, at at that point, uh, the last parade was Comus. That's what it was, Comus, right. and they were you know, on the streets uh, six seven o'clock in that on Mardi Gras evening, which is not done anymore. But right. uh, I I went and watched it that one last time, and and every float like it always has had a had a theme on it, but the very last one was famine. And I I thought, uh, you know, this is uh, is getting down to the the down and dirty and uh, and problems that humans. Well, you know, depending on, of course, on the sensibilities of the crew, they're either modern and they focus on celebrities or things. But I love the pageantry of Mardi Gras. That's the kind of thing that opera traffics in, <coughs> uh, putting uh, royalty and, and or putting marching mm. marching forces and things like that. Uh, as you know, we have what is called the largest party on the planet when Mardi Gras is in full swing here, and it can be quite exhilarating, which is just for the sheer opulence of it. And yeah. that's the kind of thing that one often hopes to see on the mm-hmm. operatic stage. Yeah. It's uh, uh, quite an undertaking, as you mentioned earlier. I mean, uh, the many different arts that are brought into bear right. uh, to, to make this happen. Well, and some of the shifts in modern uh, creativity is to emphasize things that are sometimes more cinematic. 
you know, movie-going experience is very common to people, but it also opens up new opportunities for the theatrical stage as well, everything from holographs to just images that you could never build or paint without fabulous expense. So um, people experiment with theatrical gestures all the time, and opera also is among that, to which we often add dance. So, you know, you've got choral singing, solo singing, dance, orchestral playing, every, every form of, of uh, scenic effects and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it can be a wonderful experience if it's done well. Yeah, I, and I think uh, I have certainly enjoyed it in all the times that I've been, and I haven't had enough yet. But the, uh, there's, there's so much more that can be uh, exposed and, and, and that you, you, there is a little getting used to. You, yeah. you, I remember the first time my wife and I went, uh, she thought it was impossibly long. Well, I'll bet you hear that if more than a couple of times. Well, I do. Think I thought the, it was about right, but uh, I do think the modern attention span has shortened uh, with our experiences. Yeah. But remember, back in the day that these pieces were created, there weren't the diversions of other kinds. No of, TV. Uh, yeah, no exactly. radio. Exactly. No radio. Right. Somebody stop that right now. <laughs> But uh, we make efforts to shorten the pieces to make the audience a little more comfortable. But um, it's usually a pretty full evening in the theater. But Mm -hmm. I will say this. If you really love great music, then it can be very satisfying. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming by and and, and talking about it. Robert Lyle. uh, And uh, he, uh, our our producer over here, uh, asked you to... Give the uh, contact uh, things that we need to know to to go to it. The the easiest thing is to go online to neworleansopera.org, and it will have all kinds of references to click on this button to find out information about tickets. Mm -hmm. Or you can call um, 529-2278, which is the office phone number, and you will... Press zero to get the box office, and you will have people there to help you mm-hmm. with your choices and with your decision. Five two nine two two seven eight. Okay. Yes, is yeah. the New Orleans Opera, and um, it's very easy. And I hope people will take advantage of it. I do too. I think they'll like it. I do too. This and then they'll say, "And I heard about it all on the, the food, food show." show. Absolutely. Yeah. Who knows? Right. The yeah. food show Everything. has driven them to another kind of culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, it could happen, and 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 has. Uh, thanks a lot for dropping in. I appreciate uh, that you you show up for us every uh, every go round. Thank and you. it's and it's interesting to get a di- it's a totally different perspective on on enjoying your life. And right. I, I think everybody would be uh, bedded and and made better by having uh, having some opera. Somewhere in your collection. Classical music speaks to the soul in ways that entertainment music mm-hmm. does not. And whether your great love is symphony or <laughs> choral music or opera, it's, uh, it's, it's, good. It's, it's good for the soul. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for coming Thank on. You, I know, sorry about the parking problem. <laughs> We've had not a little all. problem today. It's the food show. You know, I know it might seem same stream to put a... Uh, to bit, uh, bit a whole bunch of the program 
in something that isn't uh, really uh, hooked in with it, the, you know, the whole opera thing. But I, uh, I've had enough people call me who told me that they, they like the idea of it, uh, and it just adds another little dimension to our show. So, and it's uh, appropriate, and I'll <clears throat> tell you why. Tell me why. It's National Take a Chance Day. Is it? It is. No kidding. Mm-hmm. What sort of chances do you take? Uh, well, you know, it, uh, traffic mainly, mm. um, you know, driving from here to there. Yeah. It's, a, it's sometimes chancy, sometimes. It certainly is, especially but, when you're going backwards. But uh, that w- brings on a whole new dimension. Well, that's okay because it's National yeah. Picnic Day. National Picnic Day. It is. Uh-huh. Do you know uh, what the French word for picnic is? What is the French word <laughs> for picnic? I'm not making this up either. Well, okay. You ready? No. Picnic. How about that? P I Q. And what's the other half? Q U E. Q U E. Imagine. N I Q U E. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do. You have two Q U E's in there. I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good enough. Well, okay. Fine. I'm glad we have that settled. Yes, but we there is more. There is more. It's National Talk Like Shakespeare Day. Thou shalt talk like Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> okay. Mm. National Lost Dog Awareness Day. Lost Dog Awareness. Yes. This so is something if you that... see one walking around, be aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a sad story, especially when it applies to uh, animals that have been cut loose because of, let's say, hurricanes and the like. Yeah. Uh, Okay, on a more cheery note. Oh, we could sure use yeah, one. Let's it, hear it. And, and because this is the food show, it is yeah. National Cherry Cheesecake Day. Cherry Cheesecake I Day. I like cherry cheesecake. Of cherry. course, I like any cheesecake. Yeah? Uh, what uh, What's your favorite uh, kind of cherries? I mean, there are, you have those real dark ones. You have those Bing. big ones. You like the big dark Bing, ones? Bing, Bing, B-I-N-G. Bing, oh, okay. Bing That's a variety? Cherries. It is a variety of cherries. Yes, it is. Oh. I like maraschino <laughs> cherries, too. I could eat a you mean, whole one. Yeah, it's, and it is maraschino, by the way. Mm-hmm. And if my wife is listening, did you heard that? It's, it it's maraschino, maraschino it not maraschino. Been. No. Not maraschino. You know, otherwise, it would be an S-H in there instead of a C-H. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, of course not. Because we say it is. <clears throat> sure. So there. Yeah, who do they think we are? Really? A bunch of, you know. Philistines. Philistines. That's, you know, we you don't hardly see Philistines around anymore. No, they disappeared yeah. a long time ago, but every once in a while they reappear in, uh, in my life. Uh-huh. Uh, Gia, you make it sound like a, at a, at a, at a unsavory time in your life. Yeah, you know, the British call them Philistines, you know. Philistines? Yes. Hmm. What does that mean, literally? It means a boar. A boar? A boar. As in uh, a, a, person, a jerk. A person who is a jerk. A, a moron. A boar. An idiot. A boar. Well, you know, yeah. boars are, have a bad reputation. They sure do. But that's not my problem to serve. 2606368 is our number. I would uh, very much love to hear from you, whoever you are, uh, with this on your mind, uh, tell me what's what you've been eating lately. What what do you have you enjoyed anything or not? I went to an interesting event today. There is uh, 
a big old mansion on St. Charles Avenue that has been re-equipped to serve as a, uh, a venue for doing weddings and, and that sort of stuff. And some years ago, they asked me to come in and do a talk uh, to their group. Their group is a pretty good-sized number of people. And uh, I did it, and they apparently liked it enough that they asked me to do it again. It's been a long time, but they, they let me go ahead and do it. And so that's what I did this morning and had a chance to uh, meet a, a lot of uh, just about all, all of them were uh, female, by the way. I, I don't think that made any difference. But it was uh, a nice uh, uh, early uh, afternoon, late afternoon, or late Monday. What am I talking about? Anyway, we had, uh, had a nice time, and uh, I don't know what to tell you about that. I, it, it, unless it would be something along the lines of if you were to have to get uh, uh, something going to do a special... Uh, party for a friend or an organization that you're a member of or anything like that, uh, what kind of place would you go to? Because there are so many different kinds out there. So many, and uh, if, if you have uh, some thoughts about places to get uh, an event uh, put together for you, call us up and tell us about it. There are many, many companies here in New Orleans that uh, have full service to do a big, big party uh, at any level. And uh, this was a pretty sniffy, pretty nice one. Uh, had a nice day today, and uh, they served a dinner of four courses, and everybody seemed to be pretty happy with it. The, the entree was some pork tenderloins with a sauce of, of wild, uh, wild, uh, uh, Rice, wild rice, is not even really rice. It's it's a different animal entirely. But they had that on there, and let's see, they had a, a your cherry and your chocolate uh, dessert in that, and a few other things. Um, we this is a subject we after all these years we've never really explored very much. So I'm going to see if we can explore it now. If you have to do a private party for. Uh, your your mother-in-law, I, that, that's a poor choice of a, of a person. But uh, where would you go? Or what kind of place would you uh, have you tried that have, has come out very good for you? Let us know about that because there are certainly people who are listening to us right now who would like to know something about that, maybe get some better ideas than the ones they already have. Our number is 260 Wait a minute. Let's try that again. 260-6368. 260-6368. And we'd love to hear from you about that or anything else. Uh, while I was giving this talk today, someone asked me, what's the best of all of the restaurants on Magazine Street? You probably know if you ever go down Magazine Street that the street is pretty much covered with restaurants uh, that have, for the most part, uh, moved to where they are in recent times. There, there's been a lot of flux on the, on the uh, restaurants out in Magazine Street. Uh, and that uh, puts a bunch of restaurants up there uh, ready to shop, uh, ready to use or, or, or have for any other particular product you have or project. 
uh, give us a call, 260-6368, and we'll see what we can find. I'm sure we'll have something. And if you yourself have done one of these special events, tell us about it. More of the food show coming after we hit the news on 105.3 FM HD2, Kenner, New Orleans. Stay tuned. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.